Welcome to the New Age Boxing Podcast on the 5th of November. So with a bang, we're going in on a slightly time-constrained episode. Is it the 4th episode. today? Is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, nice for one. sake. Instant. Good start. That stays in. Oh, do you know what? Do you know what, actually? I just got confused, actually, because I, I remember that the 11th is on a Sunday this year, and I, for some reason I've managed to confuse that with the 5th. Right, and, and they're not even like because they're to not norm. They're not normally on the same Sunday. On <laughs> what the fourth and the eleventh? <laughs> Fuck yeah! Um, Jeez. So that is probably how uh, how good the podcast is going to be. I've been at a kids' party <laughs> in a soft play for two and a half hours today. I'm frazzled, but I could still work that out. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, in typical Terry fashion, he's eating a prawn tagliatelle. <laughs> Linguini. Oh, sorry, Linguini. Get your Italians right, man. It's my, it's my fact. I, I have to. I've already started off getting things wrong, so I might as well continue in similar vein. Um, I'll let you into a peek behind the curtain. I once picked Terry up. Um, well, I've picked him a few times, but when I picked him up in the car that I was driving at the time, can you remember what car it was? Was it the was that the Audi? Oh, okay, the, the Audi. Well, whatever it was, he said it was like being picked up by a Spetsnatch Snatch Squad, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. It was, man. Just straight in. Door didn't even close and we were off. So, uh, I felt you had some Brinks Matt Gold in the back. We're going to basically approach this episode like that. Um, yeah. We have a time constraint upon us tonight. And because that someone's is... off to watch a really shit film instead of the good one I recommended. Yeah. All right. Fine. Whatever. I mean, Listen. Uh, Listen, you should have gone and watched The Stars I'm Born. not going to watch Lady Gaga in a film. She's no business being on a screen. She's good, though. <sighs> no. Gaga's good in that film. Is it? Is Gaga a he or Gaga a she or Gaga a they? Fluid. Uh, uh, no, in this one, she's definitely a woman. She she gets piped. She's definitely a woman. <laughs> but that doesn't make you a woman. trying to be in some way. A bit Men get piped. <laughs> this isn't that sort of film. <laughs> now honestly go and watch The Stars Born like, don't be like Andy White go and watch The Stars Born fuck them both go and see uh, Greatest Showman that's yeah. been out of the cinema for about 18 months that's alright so go and get a DVD what from Blockbuster that'd be on like one of those kids ones on a Sunday morning for a quid even better value oh. yeah, let's go right I suppose we should talk about some boxing really seeing as we're under time for people are like Wait a minute, I'm three minutes in. All you've talked about is blokes getting piped and managed to conflate the 5th well, of no, the 11th. W- women getting piped. Gaga's a woman. But wait, watch the film. Tell you know, Bradley Cooper's good enough in that film that everyone should watch it. He's like our new Josh Brolin, I think. Okay. Um, Listen, Andy, Andy, Andy thinks A Star is Born is a bit of a girly film, so he's off to go and watch old Camp Freddie Mercury. That doesn't make any sense, unless there's something you're not telling us. 
Something you should have worked out a long time ago. <laughs> you just the said, way I'm, I look at you. Why am I not? In, why am I not in this film? <laughs> He's about to watch a film where men can get piped. <laughs> <laughs> Danger piping. <laughs> right. Okay, let's talk about fucking boxing. Um, what do you want to start with, Terry? British Warriors show or the World Boxing Super Series? Let's start with the British Warriors show. Um, okay. You know, our, our fans love the small hall discussion, don't they? Never been to a British Warriors show before. Always kind of debated whether to go. And then you just like, uh, you see the lineup and you're just like, fuck it. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just, you know, we're adults now. Our weekends are precious. So there had to be a reason to go. So this was the one weekend that gave me a fight I wanted. So I really wanted to see Kirk Garvey versus Andre Sterling. So I paid the the 60 quid to sit ringside. Not bad value, actually. But it's a strange show. So I was saying to Martin earlier, the Goodwin crowd and the British Warriors crowd, there's not really much overlap. Apart from Dave Evans, I didn't really see much. And also shout out to Ian, never know his surname, but God knows how many shows I've seen him at in the last few weeks. But he's always around. He's a fan of the podcast. I mean, good, solid lad, man. He's, I mean, always on top of stuff. And I like the fact that he he does show up at these shows as well. So, I mean, I mean, he's slowly shedding the casual feathers, and he probably hasn't got any casual feathers now. To Just be like fair. me, mate. Just like me. Yeah, but you got that casual beard, though. <laughs> Says you. If your beard yeah. isn't casual, I don't know <laughs> what it is. Full, you haven't even got a moustache. Full Taliban beard, mate. <laughs> yeah. I I not look familiar to you. <laughs> That's Mexican. <laughs> No, so it was a strange, it was a strange sort of event. Here's how I describe a British Warriors show in my eyes. It's like if you could get the hardcore of the hardcore and just stick them in a hall together. That's what the British Warriors show is. So you're bumping into guys like Sean Murphy, who's a coach at Finchley. It's that kind of thing. It's almost like a step up from the ABAs because there's a lot of guys you know through through the amateur side there which isn't really a bad thing but i think it means mo's kind of got a limited appeal i was i was i was getting ready to come today and i thought what's the best way of describing a mo Pryor show it's almost like he's had a barbecue and he's invited his mates and he's like listen you know just come we have a little barbecue there'll be some boxing at the end of the garden and then a couple of black kids and a couple of football hooligans have just gate crashed it for some free food that's really what a British Warriors show feels like. I don't know how you break past that because Steve's managed to do it. So if they you tried, look, like they tried to put the new production stuff in, haven't they? We're chatting on the way over that there's screens and they've got up lighting stuff. So they've, they've well, clearly made a bit of well, it. Do you know what? To, you, oh, so the analogy I'd use for that is it's like, you know, you take someone to a French restaurant because they go, oh my God, I love French cuisine. And then the menu's in French and they just look vacant, right? That's what it felt like. It felt like they had all of this equipment but there was no underlying reason for them to have the equipment. It didn't, it didn't do anything. Whereas with Steve, you've got the big Goodwin boxing screens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're working. They look class. They have yeah. the proper intro videos. Yeah. And-, and it's all working and it's working continuously. This felt like we've got screens because someone has some screens going. We bought them. There wasn't anything behind those screens where you thought this has got me engaged. So if you hadn't told me that they'd invested in that, I'd have just thought they just had some, overhead projectors like we had in school 
So, but I'm not going to knock the production. <laughs> Projectors. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Look. With a, with a, br- a, a like a, a, sh- a silhouetted finger coming in and adjusting the cellophane. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, here's the thing for me. I think with Steve Goodwin, there's a formula now. You kind of get it. You're going to get some horse shit shows, but they build to something like December 1st, right? There's always, a, there's an end point that you're trying to get to. And you can kind of see, you, you can see where Steve is in his cycles. And I think he's had to, he's had to stumble a few times to get to that point, which is good. And so with Steve, you get that consistency. I think with Mo, no, you get Kurt Garvey versus Andre Sterling. And I think that's a fight that I don't think Steve would make. Just being honest, I don't think Steve would make that fight. Because... Um, um. Well, okay. So there are two reasons. So, so, the, the, so the underlying reason I say that is Mo goes looking for these kinds of people, right? That's what Mo does. You, Mo will pop around all the gyms. Who have you got? How good are they? So in his head, Mo knows who goes together and when. So they have a different composition of stable. And I know Andre's not really British Warriors. He's more Heliot, but he's kind of affiliated to those guys for for a number of reasons, which you know I can't go into necessarily. But was with Steve, it's a you come to us. So it's a different dynamic. Mo Pryor's got guys in that London scene who've all known each other coming up. So these matchups are very easy to make. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. something like Taylor Jones, Linus Udofia is probably comparable. Not, for, not for pedigree, nah. You, you've got a 2012 ABA champion against a 2015 or 2016. So maybe not ABA for pedigree, yeah. but in terms of where they are with their careers, two fights yeah. that both lads could have gone other ways yeah not bothered doing it so that's the one thing we do i did have to give credit for i was like actually do you know what this is your main event and you've got two guys that can actually box this is there's none of this you got to learn your trade and <laughs> bollocks all of that these are two guys who can box proved it numerous times be surprised if they haven't sparred each other but mo you give you that he'll give you jay harris as well so jay harris is a guy out of swansea i think Really talented, flyweight, can really box. I think he's from a family of boxers as well. You know, nice little story to sell. But then you get the rest of it. And that's the problem you have with the British Warriors show. You have that weird extreme of really, really good fight for a main event and then kind of fights no one cares about filling in the rest of the card. I don't know how they're going to resolve that, but resolve it they must because you can't charge me Goodwin prices but not give me that Goodwin card composition. Because at least with Steve's fights, he'll give me 14 fights. There'll be four of them where I'll go, uh, I'd have come for that. And I'll give Steve credit for that. With Mo, it's like, I came really for one fight. And I was like, yeah, it was a really good fight, but I came for one. That's 60 quid for one fight. Mm. And with the attendance, I don't know why they didn't just stream it. I don't imagine they made a profit. I'd have just sacked it off and said, just stream the fucker. Was it a good fight though? Wow. 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 Um, if you consider where those guys are in their careers, you said earlier, what, what is it? Less than 20 bouts in total? Yeah. There was real... Spite? No, no. So, so if you're a, if you're a, you know, a York Hall kind of, oh, I'll go, you want to see two guys slug it out, right? That's it. If there's two guys who are just swinging for each other, and it goes back and forth. You, you think that's a classic fight? I definitely I, think that's what uh, some people would consider a good fight. 
you definitely get people that would. I mean, those of those. Um, the only reason I pick up on that is because there are when you mention that people that generally attend these shows are people who know what they're talking about when it comes to boxing, and they would also appreciate a more technical bout, wouldn't they? That wasn't necessarily a swing and, fest. And so you got that last night. So you had you had probably the first the first quarter of the fight feeding each other out. It was cagey, really, really technical. You got Kirk trying to work behind the jab, trying to work his one twos because Kirk's the taller guy, and then you got Andre, you know, with the counter jabs and the counter left hooks, scoring well. And then Kirk started to get into his stride. He got his control and his dominance in the fight, and then he started to flag a bit. Not sure if it was a physical or mental thing. And then Andre comes back in the last two, and just starts bludgeoning Kirk. And you can see that Andre Sterling's by far the stronger guy in there. So at the end of the fight, people go, how have you got it? I said, I've got it 96-94 to Kirk, but I could see it being a draw. It was that close. It was about what you liked. But it went 96-94 in favour of Andre Sterling. And actually, I'm biased because Andre's a friend. I've known Andre since he was a teenager. I'm, I'm really, really happy for the fact that you know he's got the Southern area. As I said on this podcast, for me, once you win the Southern area, I take you seriously as a pro. Because that says you're capable of competing at a certain level. And, you know, I know the Earlsfield boys and the Southwest London guys were really upset with the result, and I fully understand why. And we're at a point, I think, in British boxing where we're struggling to understand what the judges are looking for. You know, what are they really looking for? Are they looking for the guy that's got the better technique and is landing the shots, or are they now counting the weight of the punches? If it's counting the weight of the punches, Andre Sterling wins. He hits harder. He's stronger. You know, he can he could manhandle Kurt Garvey. And as in shape as Kurt Garvey looks, you always get the feeling that he's not very strong, almost like he's made of eggshells. As well, I was surprised, if you go back to that podcast where Steve was like, why would I put my guy in with Kurt Garvey? Do you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. And I was in my head, I was thinking... No, 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 no. He's not Superman. Like, put, put, put a couple of hard shots on Kirk and he'll normally retreat. That would have been an easy win for McIntyre or Shinquin and it would have been a respected win. But now Sterling's got that win. But then where do you go next if you're Sterling? I'd, you know, I, I saw Lee Eaton was talking about Dan Aziz versus Andre Sterling and I was like, not for the Southern area. That's, that, that, that's a fight that needs to mean something before it can even happen. I, I'm a big fan of both guys, as, as listeners know. I'm a massive fan of both guys, and they're both friends. And when they do fight, it will be like bone-shuddering punches for 10, 12, 15 rounds, however many rounds they want to do. But that doesn't need to happen yet. That's not a money fight yet. So <laughs> I'd rather Andre vacated, just matured out his style, learned to be consistent, you know, for the length of the fight and let Dan Aziz maybe go for the Southern area against Charlie Duffield. Let him build that way. You know, but now it was good enough card. I'm, I'm not going to bash the British Warriors guys. I just want to see progress from them because I think the stable's good enough to be a threat. It just needs everything around it to be tight because on Twitter, fire. Like, you can't dispute the quality of the tweets that come out of British Warriors at the moment. And you've still not worked out areas. Ah, listen, do you know what? I don't think we'll ever find out. It's, it's, it's like me. Like, what, what, once I disappeared from Twitter, no one really knows who I am anymore. <laughs> who was the Seven Wolves? Anyone ever, seven ever heard of them? The Seven what? Nah. <laughs> not about that life anymore. Nah, no, no, not no, about no. that life anymore. <laughs> nah. I wonder where that name came from. We never found that out either. 
We'll never find out. <laughs> there are just six wolves somewhere wandering around <laughs> lost. Just, just, just lacking a leader. <laughs> uh, right, so that's the British Warriors show covered. We've also got to cover Ultimate Boxer, which happened Friday night, and the World Boxing Super, Super Series. Which of you watched the Ultimate Boxer on Friday? I saw bits of it. So I saw the... I was going to say Shaquille. It's not Shaquille, Tom. What, what, the, the, the guy's Shaquille name. Neil. No, it's like Shaq no, or whatever. Shaq Peters. Yeah. Eight foot tall guy. What? No, he's already he's about six five, six six. He's huge at the weight. And I'd love to see an eight foot boxer. That'd be mint, wouldn't it? There's a lad who's seven foot something who's a light middle, a Ukrainian <laughs> guy. <laughs> what? Is he built like a fucking washing line or something? Pretty much. Yeah, he is. He's like <laughs> wow. It's a, a freak of nature. No, but hollow but, bones. <laughs> but but pitters. I felt sorry for his first two opponents because. They've probably sparred a thousand rounds in the last year, whatever it is. And when they take that step back, they're normally out of danger. And this guy's arms are so long that they did all the right things. Like take a step back so you don't get hit with a shot. And this right hand just seemed to follow the jaw. And then there was a left hook to follow. And I thought, this guy's come out of nowhere. The guy's real. I like him. Let him fight Anthony Yard. Like, that's how I feel right now. Yeah. Set him loose on Anthony Yard. Like, who's going to beat this guy? The whole the whole tournament was fun. And I know you slagged off the last one because you didn't like the, the substandard lads. But look, I enjoy these lads. You had an English champion, or former English champion, Joel McIntyre, through to a lad who's had two fights, won one, lost one. That's the range of people you've got in this tournament. Um, and it's all lads. Like, the winner gets 16 grand out of it, which is big money for these these kids. And they're just smashing holes in one another. I think every fight, someone got dropped and got back up. Every fight. So it's not the most refined stuff, but you've got three rounds to get in there, give your everything, and get back out ready for the next round. And like, it's not the most refined stuff. It's not the most beautiful of boxing, but it's fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. A lot of good when guys took L's. They did. Jordan what? Joseph, I mean, how the fuck he lost to Georgie Bacon? Poor, poor. Um, and then you had Daryl Church getting beaten by Joel McIntyre was no surprise Joel McIntyre Dex Spellman I thought Joel won it but um, I thought he was also stupid to stand in the pocket with Deck after he dropped him in the first round also fair play to Deck for coming back from you know what happened last year yeah yeah the Scott Westgarth stuff yeah because it's almost um, a year is it yeah, yeah yeah so now he's done brilliantly Deck I just yeah. I really enjoyed the tournament but <laughs> there's a question about this somewhere that we've got um, yeah, I was I was impressed with how many people went to that. Like you, all of boxing seemed to descend upon upon the O2, which is good. And I love moments like that when the community just gets together because a lot of stuff gets said when you don't see each other a lot. And it's always good to shake hands, talk, make sure everyone's back on the same page. So and I hope those guys really enjoyed it. Uh, the question you're referring to is from Dumps. Mr. LTFC. Yep, Luton Town all day. Terrace legend. I mean, there's a lot of Watford run from him. I've heard (laughs) he runs Watford in places. Certain in Watford, yeah, in Watford, yeah, yeah. Um, question for the pod: What would you change about Ultimate Boxer, the venue, and which um, venue was a suggested suggested question? And which weight category would you go for? So you had. Uh, it was at the O2 Indigo, which is a fucking awful venue for boxing. I don't care what anyone says. And why nobody's learned this, I don't understand. So you had Joe Joyce's debut there. And what it is, is you've got a stage where you put the ring. 
And so if you're one of those people down the front no, who paid before, yeah. for the most expensive tickets, I don't know, 200, 300 quid or whatever, you literally can't see a thing other than one corner. And that's only when they come and sit down at the end of a round. You can't <laughs> see the rest of the action. If you're up in the, the 40, 50 quid seats or whatever in the second tier, then you've probably got an all right view of it. It's just, it's a mad place to hold box. I don't understand it. Do it at York Hall. Like, just do it at York Hall. Um, that aside, so you doing it on a Friday night makes sense because it's not it's not the most um, incredible of cards. So avoid all the traffic of the World Boxing Super Series. Now do it on a Friday night. Friday night boxing's all right. Um, but they put it out on Facebook at. I don't know, I think it was 8 o'clock they started the action. Facebook stream died on me maybe five, six times. You know when you go back to try and watch something live on Facebook and then it just starts playing from the bit it died at last time and it dies on you immediately. You're like, oh, fuck's sake. Like, oh, this is terrible. So five, just six like times. A, <clears throat> just as like a little reminder, like, remember how shit the internet used to be? Well, it's still a little bit shit. Yeah, there are still places <laughs> where you can find that. Facebook Live. Um, How many viewers were on the stream? I don't know. Not not huge numbers, I don't think. But I, I can give you. Um, a couple of thousand, I think. Which is all right. It's all right. And so you didn't get to watch all of the, the preliminaries. So they put the quarterfinals on Facebook and then start the live TV stuff at 10 o'clock. And so you've already gone through the quarterfinals. So four of the lads have been knocked out by this point. When they start showing it live. Okay. Um, and then the first, like, section. So they introduce it. And they've got... Do you remember the Radio 1 DJ, Nihau? Oh, with Bobby Friction. Yes. I, I only vaguely remember Right, him, there yeah. you go. You vaguely remember him. I think he's now on Radio 2. Or, and Radio 5 on occasions, I Yeah, think. that's the one. Dude turns up introducing this. He's the presenter. But he looks like... He's going out on the piss after. So you've got Dave Coldwell stood next to him, you know, suit on, looks very smart and tidy. You've got Nihau in this like printed t-shirt and like a, a biker jacket over the top. <laughs> Was it a floral? Was it loud? Did he have white trousers on as well? No, no, sadly not. <laughs> but you, you, you genuinely turn it on thinking, you've not taken this seriously. Oh, like no. immediately when I turn this on, you've not taken this seriously. And so why should I? Yeah. And don't you like... I'm probably going to get in a bit of trouble for this because last time I fucked off the Ultimate Boxer Tournament, I, there were repercussions to it. Whatever. I'm not really that bothered, to be <laughs> honest. find out about that later. <laughs> oh, um, okay. No, that's no, fine. Um, Who did you grasp on this time? I didn't grasp on anyone. They just they didn't necessarily take kindly to what I said about it. But well, we know I, how much of a grass you are, mate. <laughs> but, so all the things that I criticised from last time are probably the same things I'll criticise this time. So... The first section of the programme, you get Nihau and Dave Coldwell, like the weirdest couple to, <laughs> to introduce a TV programme. Don't let Caldwell loose near your wife. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe what, that's why Nihau came like what a casual. Point, pointlessly painful like digression. <laughs> anyway, so before you see a punch thrown, they hit an advert break. But in that section, you've had a DJ slot from Charlie Sloth. <laughs> and have we, we confirmed what? that wasn't Sam O'Reilly <laughs> I'm not really that aware of what a Charlie Sloth is because I'm 36 years old and I'm not Sam O'Reilly um, so the oldest teenager in London <laughs> Martin Theobald in the house my god 
One extra, another exclusive for Martin Theobald. Yes! <laughs> so when I say you get a DJ slot, that is Charlie Sloth in essence. I'm not saying you get like 30 seconds of it. Instead, you get about three minutes of a DJ slot oh. when it's just some dude stood behind the DJ booth while they pan the camera around the O2 Indigo. Was it at least fast cuts? Did he do like 50 songs in three minutes? No, I've, no, I wasn't really paying attention because as soon as I saw some dude was doing a DJ slot, I thought, what the fuck is this? I've got Ni Hao dressed to go on the lash with a DJ and I've tuned into a boxing show just to remind myself. And just before we get to the live action, we're going to go across to Pat Sharp who's going to have a, a little Grand Prix race in those little <laughs> funhouse go-karts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? I'm so <laughs> to a funhouse go-kart. <laughs> He's rolling rap playing Quasar. Why? Give me... And so, yeah, on, it was genuinely, like, just stupid. And maybe that's what they're appealing to. And that what they're appealing to isn't me. Okay, cool. But understand what you're appealing to. Because you're putting on a boxing show at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Most of the young people that, <laughs> like, most young people with any element of coolness about them aren't going to be sat in watching Five Spike at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. They're going to be out doing something. Taking the spice. Five Spice. <laughs> and so appreciate which kind of people are sat around at 10 o'clock on a fucking Friday night. It's boring old people like me that don't want to watch Charlie Sloth. And so... He is, he is our age, though. Is he? Maybe just yeah. playing the wrong music, He's in mate. Northampton, isn't he? I know that. Yeah. Um, got, got a nice collection of cars. Like, fucking hell, they turned on him quick, didn't they? So, uh, could this not be just to sort of... I realise you're going to go on to more here, but um, could you not put this down to something like, perhaps, teething problems of boxing trying to find a way forward? Okay, like, but they did this last time when they got Big mm. Nasty up on stage and oh, told yeah. him to call everyone a cunt, and you call him a cunt, and you call him a cunt, <laughs> so you can shout it loudest live on Channel 5. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely bizarre yeah. which is what I'm saying understand who you're appealing to because those people aren't sat in watching Five Spike at 10 o'clock on a Friday they're <laughs> here not out. kicking it, people's you know, heads but, in but here's my <laughs> issue with, with something like Ultimate Boxer like their idea is get eight people let them slug it out you get one winner yeah but there's a reason why the Champions League is the way it is right there's a reason why you get seeded in the World Cup now because ultimately it has to build to a likely conclusion so I want to know that number one and number two are person X and person like Y, like a worthy conclusion. Yes, yeah. I don't, I don't want, I don't want old old Bumstead down here just knocking people out on the way to the top because I'm like, mate, you've ruined this for me because I don't even know who the hell you are. Now I've got to go on Boxrec and I got to check on Twitter to see if anyone knows who the hell you are. So there's there's that issue. I think three threes as a professional isn't where it needs to be. Either have four threes or five threes. Nah, I'm all right with three threes. I've no issue. I've no issue whatsoever with the boxing. The boxing. See, but 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 it, it limits itself. So there's only a certain kind of person you'll ever get on there. And which which will always harm credibility. Because if you look at that list of people who are on there, Anthony Yard smokes them all one after the other in one night. You're right there, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from pitters, although I don't, I don't think anyone beats pitters. But let me go back. Like what Does I'm saying, matter? does that matter if the quality isn't? Is if not... you match eight lads, all fairly reasonably, and you tell them just to go in and punch holes in one another, and they all fall over and they all get up, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But what are we you have... not watching it for a technical okay. masterclass? So, 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 so now look beyond that, right? 
now we're going to see someone like a Dex Bellman in some sort of area shot, maybe an English shot over 10, 12 rounds. And we're just going to be there going, God, he's horrible. Like like many people probably thought before. And, and I think you almost set unrealistic career expectations on that, which is why if you go to five, you get that mix of show you can actually, I mean, su- survive as a professional, but you also have that short time frame where you can just put hands on someone. I don't know. You, you say this, like who was the lad that won the last ultimate boxer? The ultimate warrior? I've genuinely got no idea because he won it and then he's disappeared. Like I have no elevated career expectation of that kid because I've never heard Maybe of him he's an soon. assassin's boxing. <laughs> I just blocked you from finding out. Mm-hmm. Um, so look. We the, pay the our voiders. We so pay our voiders. So you had a DJ. You had two hours. I'm trying to keep this fairly short because we haven't got that much time. Oh, that's true, actually. And we're almost halfway through. Exactly. So you had two hours, right? Well, it went over that. It went on to about 10 past 12, of which in that, I saw three three-by-three-minute rounds. And a lad from Love Island, Idris, something or other, Idris Virgo. Ah, who is a boxer. Oh, that's what Yeah, so purporting. he was fighting some Hungarian over a four-rounder. I'm like, why have you put this on? I know you've got to give the lad a break from the semi to the final. Put something meaningful on, please. Like... Even put on an exhibition, get two decent amateurs out there and put them on. I don't need to see Idris Virgo because he was on Love Island versus some Hungarian. For about four days as well. <laughs> FYI. Yeah. So that was total bollocks, that bit of it. Like put something, a showcase on that is a higher quality uh, and it's cheap. But you ended up with Ronald McIntosh on commentary. The funniest thing was he kept telling us because all these lads aren't the, the upper echelon of boxing, they're all like, they work doing something else. And I knew that because Ronald told me every single fighter, Joel McIntyre here in the third stands or whatever, runs a, a catering van. I'm like, what difference does that make? There were times, there were times when people were like close to getting dropped, but Ronald needed to finish the sentence telling you what they did for work Can I, and telling you the work patterns. Like this lad works 10, 6, 6, 10. But <laughs> Do you know know what? Boxing needs to make a stand against Ronald McIntosh because Ronald McIntosh is the hyacinth bouquet of like boxing. Do you know where someone is so dated reference if I ever I don't care. So is Ronald. He's he's everyone know you know those people who you know are dumb, right? But they use words that they've picked like the kind of Spencer Fearon. Like, you know how Spencer Fearon does it? And Spencer Fearon will just use words when there are simpler ways to express what you're trying to when say. When Ryan Martin got punched on the back of the head last night in the end of that fight against Josh Taylor, his commentary was, Ryan Martin's been discombobulated. But what, <laughs> why? I don't need to hear discombobulated. Yeah, and, and do you know what it's like? It, it's like <laughs> when, you're, when you're really shit at something and you want to convince people that you're quite good at it, you get all super technical, like really up your own ass. Rather than technical. talk about the thing in front of you. Rather than you just give people what they really need. And so Ronald McIntosh ruins everything with that. Needless language. It's so badly structured. Like, it's not even like this guy has a living as like a decorated writer of novels or even just a man of letters. The guy's just a lanky donut who gets slapped around <laughs> the Stonebridge Boxing Club. And I'm not saying to be disrespectful, but I saw Ronald McIntosh, I'd tell him that to his face. I said, mate, you're, you're a horrible commentator. You're just... 
He I, is, to be I, fair. I, I don't know who he's got over a barrel where they keep giving him work, but he's horrible. He ends up on Channel 5, Five Spike, IFL last night doing the streaming. It does uh, ITV stuff. Ah, yeah. So I, I, I think in the media, there's actually a real lack of understanding and in um, of of just boxing and the sport in general. And so when they're going to put something on, it's, they just they've got go to names. It leaves gaping holes yeah. that are filled by the same people. Yeah, exactly. Well, who normally does this? Well, I don't know. And they bring up the same people for the same yeah. advice who give them the same names. But to, to try and summarize all of this, right? I'm not. I'm not having a go at the old boxer because actually I really enjoy the concept of it and I enjoy watching those fights. But it's the same things I said last time it was on. Like, work out who you're aiming this at because at the moment, you seem to be aiming it at people that simply aren't going to be watching it. And so therefore, why are you fucking doing it? Like, are you sure that that's not just your experience? It may well be. Maybe they're getting great market feedback and that great market feedback has meant that they've moved from Channel 5 to 5 Spike this time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the case. Look, <laughs> good luck to them. But the next question was, who would you want to see going next? Put the middleweights in. Yeah. Like, like, if you look at the middleweights in Britain at the moment, it's quiet. Like, there's no... Apart from the people we already know, like, you know, obviously the, the top dog at the moment is Liam Cameron. Let's not dispute that. <clears throat> Free Liam Cameron. Free Liam Cameron. Yeah, no, no. But but we need we need a tournament that's going to give us some people we can go... These are the guys who are next up. What I'd hope is that someone like Shaq and Peters comes out of that Friday night and they can build a career for him from there. But and give him the opportunities. And maybe he doesn't take those opportunities. Maybe he does. But where, where, but where does he go? Because I don't think Ultimate Boxer will do much more than maybe four shows a year, right? No, I, I don't think they will. Um, where does he go? I don't know. If, someone... I'm, if I'm Frank, I'm signing him. But look, because... back, look back at like Rocky Fielding, Martin Murray. They came from the prize fighter setup. They like they'd been around before, but that's what broke them through. Yeah, but then they went back to the small hall, so they went back yeah. with guys like Steve Wood and so forth until they got called up to the main rosters. Yeah, so hopefully it opens a few doors for them. I hope so because because he he looked like there's a rare moment where you look at someone and you go, I think he's just hard to beat. Like, mm. <laughs> I'm like I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah, you're like fuck it, you know, the guys the guy the guys just stepped out of range. Where he's normally, and he just got knocked out. I'm like, no, shit. Anyway, yeah, that's probably enough time on that. Uh, World Boxing Super Series. Um, so I, I caught bits of it because I was at the British Warriors show. And it'd be rude of me to have watched the whole Daryl Williams fight while that was going on. But I thought that was a horseshit decision. Never, 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 never in boxing can a man with one hand beat a man with two never I don't care what Tyson Fury says you can't do that over what was it 12 rounds yeah but I thought we're not allowed to criticise judges I that was a rule right wasn't it hold, after hold Canelo on. Golovkin hold on I was going to come to that so <laughs> so I'm watching that and I'm picking up a narrative of a fight here and it's saying Zach Parker has one hand he's not throwing twice as many punches as he'd normally throw with that same hand. He's not. He's running, he's going backwards, he's throwing shots, and he's taking a lot of shots. You know, I don't know how hard Daryl's hitting him, but you're watching the replays and the head was snapping back in, in a in a disconcerting way. That that's the sort of fight that takes years of your career. So then you get scorecards that read was it one fifteen, one thirteen? One twelve. One fifteen, one fourteen, one seventeen, one twelve. That was crazy. That was Victor Lockham, wasn't it? And 
and, and I've said it before, the judges have a very hard job. And this is the point I make. There are times when I think you should, the board should say to a judge, mate, talk me through this. Because no one in boxing seems to understand how you've got 117, 112. Talk us through your thinking. I have seen some that say the more effective work was coming from Zach Parker off that right hand. In that there was so much work rate from Daryl. I'm not saying this, by the way. For me, Daryl Williams won it cleanly, easily, fairly. But I have seen some that have said, you know, like (laughs) he was high work rate, but very little effectiveness. Um, Whereas Parker was slower work rate, but actually what he was hitting was landing. But you can't punish someone for missing. Like, like you can't praise them for missing either. Well, no, you wouldn't. But you can't punish someone for missing. So if if I'm throwing more punches than Zach Parker and I'm landing those punches, how do they not score? No, but if you throw 10 and you land two and you throw two and you land two, then it's a hard one to... No, no. Then we've both thrown two punches and landed two. Yeah. Now, now if, if it turns out Zach Parker was slipping, sliding, dipping and rolling then he gets points for defence, right? But in this instance, I don't think they threw anywhere near the same number of punches. I don't think the connect percentages, or the connect numbers, I should say, are anywhere near close. That's what was unsettling about this. Zach took a lot of shots in every round. And yes, Daryl showed a bit of inexperience at that level, but this is me being honest. I felt that the judges were primed to let Zach Parker win. And so in psychology, there's a principle of anchoring. And anchoring is something we've talked about before that Hearn uses. If I put an idea in the public, if I, if I just give you an idea, it sets the place for the debate to happen. So if I tell you, Zach Parker's this great boxer, great pedigree, look at him, six foot tall, boxes long, lovely, you know, he's a better prospect, look what he did to Blackledge, He's going to win every single day of the week, except for that, you know, and, and so, yeah, that. Yeah. So, so, so suddenly I've moved the discussion into. Yeah, Zach, he's the favourite. Halo and horns, essentially, right? So, Zach Parker's now got the halo, Daryl's now got the horns, where Daryl now has to start putting Zach on the floor for him to get credit. A bit like Triple G had to. In which fight? What, when, when Canelo had him moving backwards <laughs> and he was just desperate? Where, no. what, what was the fight? And that, my memory betrays me here, but like, the, was it the first fight where we had the female judge that got... Adelaide Bird. Bird. Yeah, that got rinsed for her decision. Yeah. Because she didn't she score at 108, 120 or something? 118, 110? It was, it was real, real sort of like... Wide. Really wide. Yeah. Uh, but you had no sympathy for, for, the, for the people that were like... No, no, well, no. That's no. too much. No, no, no. If you remember what I said, I said, look at all the rounds they agreed on. Yeah. Look at all the rounds that they don't necessarily agree on. If you said people agree on two thirds or something, disagree on a third, you'd kind of be okay. But then if you map it back against the narrative of that fight, you're like, it's a close fight. You know, it, it, it was a close fight where in terms of who deserved it, it could have gone either way. This Parker Williams thing couldn't have gone either way. Uh, yeah, see, is that not your own because, anchoring? Because, no, 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 no. Because when I was watching it, and because we we're talking, obviously talking between rounds at at the British Warriors show, and I said his corner must be sending him out in the hope that Daryl will get tired and he's going to stop him. He can only win by stopping Daryl. Yeah, 
right? That, that, that's, that's boxing logic. I'm like, Daryl's aggressive come forward will hit you with everything, hands, whatever. He'll hit you with the kitchen sink. You can't stop all those punches. So he's going to outwork you. So your best bet is he gets tired. Last two rounds, you catch him with an uppercut straight right. You finish it. There, there can be no other tactic. They can't have said you're going to outbox this guy. You only have one hand. So let's let's try and get through this quickly because we've only got like half an hour left, haven't we? And, no, he's, like, no, no. and, and he's like, the cinema can wait now. The other one I wanted to say about was join us, uh, Cody versus Askin. Your view was Askin, if you can't beat a man who's had three points taken off, you don't deserve to win a fight anyway. Yeah. Like, does that view hold with Williams if you can't beat a man who's only got one hand for 10 rounds, you don't deserve to well, win anyway. Well, no, if you'd framed it as if you can't stop a man with one hand, that's a different discussion. In my eyes, he beat a man with one hand. I think Daryl's merciful enough not to smash that hand to pieces, which, <laughs> which if I'm being honest with you, in his corner, I'd have said, Daryl, I want you to use your right hand to smash his arm to pieces. That guy should never box again. If he's going to stay in the ring with you with a gammy arm in his corner, going to let him do this, is Daryl that merciful? Because, well, but you know, but he needs someone to. Do you know what I mean that's Daryl? Daryl needs someone to say, "Look, yeah, that right hand, point and push him. Keep smashing that elbow. Keep smashing that wrist, that shoulder, until that arm's just, just hanging." All I'm doing is playing devil's advocate to it already, because it's it's a wide and clear win for Daryl, and the fact that he never got it is actually disgraceful. Is it? Is there a worse decision in boxing, like a worse decision at that sort of title level? I'm struggling to think of one. Now, I know people talk about uh, with Pernell Whitaker and so forth, and we'll go back through all of those, or maybe Meldrick Taylor and so uh, forth. That's exactly the two that I was going to bring I know. Up. But, but I'm, tr- I'm struggling to think of it. Just, Dredrick it, Tatum. But Dredrick no, that, it, Tatum it, was it, my next it, one, actually. It, 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 it was bad because <laughs> it just seemed like they'd sided with the home fighter because Zach Parker, it, he was a w, WBSS reserve for ages, wasn't he? Mm. He was just floating around there. They, they, so it's like, mate, we owe you a favor. We'll get you that title. It, it, it just it, it smelled disgusting to me. I didn't really, didn't okay. like it. Okay. My friend, Mr. Goodwin, put something up about this is what happens when Southern fighters have to go up north. <laughs> Which there's a history of yeah. Southern Sh- fighters not always being treated particularly well. Shouts out to Steve. Hopefully I'm invited to the Christmas do this year. Looking yeah. forward to it. Burnett. <laughs> uh, Versus Donaire. I only have one thing I want to say about this. Oh. Who is responsible for how a fighter steps through those ropes for round one? The choreographer? Right. So I was thinking. <laughs> no, no, but who, who's accountable for that? Who takes the praise when the fighter's in great shape and the fighter boxes? Who takes the praise? Uh, so are you being rhetorical? Do you no, want I want answer? answers. What answers? So, I'm waiting to about. What's the question? His so, trainer or who, himself? Exactly. No, no, or? exactly. The trainer's uh, accountable uh, for how a fighter shows up. If he turns up overweight, you're saying to the trainer, How's he in this condition? If the trainer then says he doesn't want to train, fair enough. But yeah. the, first, the first guy I'm going to ask I is the trainer. That. I love to hear that exchange. What the fuck is he doing in this shape? He doesn't want to train. <laughs> and then look up and see this big tub of large shadow boxing in the ring. Isn't that James Tony's last sort of second half of his career? <laughs> the prize fighter years. Yeah. No, no. So, so, so Ryan Burnett has a allegedly has a slipped disc, right? He's a 
118 pound man. He's not big. How the fuck do you end up with a slip disc? And someone tried to say it's a freak injury. And it's like, no, because I have three bulging discs in my back. It's not a freak injury. It's normally the end point of a load of fucked up shit. Someone's either done to you or you've done to yourself. And eventually your body's just gone, I can't cope. Boom. That's the second back injury on Adam Booth's record. And still no one says, what are you doing to these guys? Why is it you that people seem to leave? And when they leave, they go, his training methods are just mad. Why is it you that has the body count and these injuries? Because Ryan Burnett, let's be clear about this. He'll never be the same fighter again. Like you can get, you can get your back operated on, you can do the physio and stuff. You're never the same. You lose a lot of mobility when your discs are fucked. I think what's maybe... Because Adam Booth's had huge success down the years. You know, Hay, Groves, Burnett. He's now got Josh Kelly, Conman coming through. Edwards has gone elsewhere. But he's had um, focus success, I suppose. Not like huge gyms of success, but focus success. But he's also had focused failures in that sense. Um, and so is it that you have, if you train with him, you have to accept there's a risk. I don't know. But the actual fight itself, it was a good fight. It was an enjoyable fight until Burnett just, again, it's, you know, as much as you could say it's a freak injury, your chances of those freak injuries occurring are multiplied considerably when you fight with that Adam Booth style as well. The way that he's adopting fighters to fight now. So you look at Josh Kelly, you look at, uh, Ryan Burnett. It's this constant pivoting, moving, switch back, 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 back. Like the chances of you doing your back in are far higher under Adam Booth than under anyone else if you're fighting in that style. So I appreciate it. May what you could fight two hundred times and not have that problem, perhaps. But you could also fight two hundred times and have that problem. The odds of it happening are significantly but, higher so, there. So I've spoken to fighters who have been in that camp. And we talk about some of the exercises they do. And you're like, nah, that, that's, that's just storing up injuries for later. That's a short career style. The way he trains is a short career style. And I have no issue with the way Adam Booth trains people. He, he's entitled to his philosophy and it works. What annoys me is that no one in boxing has ever gone to Adam and gone, explain the shit that's happening here. We always talk about your successes. We don't talk about the stuff that goes wrong. Everyone sort of tiptoes around it. Your Coogan Cassius's, your Steve Bunces, your Mike Costellos, the Spencer Fearons, all of the people you guys waste your time listening to. Don't go and ask the most obvious question. Why does David Hay have a metal cage around his spine? Why is Ryan Burnett seemingly now going to have to cope with the fact that his back could pop out at any time? He could just be turning over in bed and that disc will pop out. That's him not able to train for two or three weeks. And that's the reality he's now going to have to live with. And then who's next on that list? But Donito Donaire now goes on to fight Zelani Tete. That's going to be a wipeout potentially. But Donaire, you know, he's he's not fought at that weight in, what was it, 10 years? Something yeah. like that. And he struggled with the weight. He struggled with the weight and yet got in there, didn't embarrass himself by any means in that fight. It was close enough that you wanted to see the rest of it. Um, and so good luck I want to see Nanita Donaire fucking win I want to see him take out Inoue in the final I want to see like a proper purple summer of the, the, the Nanita Donaire story it's the ultimate irony though isn't it of he comes from that sort of 
West Coast Filipino community where like, you know, real steeped in fighting sports and he's been boxing and he's a real, he's a guy who can actually box. Not like these, these gym rats that we're producing in this country who are fit, strong, but can't really box. Like he boxes across all the dimensions. And so it's always good to see someone like that in this country because look, Danair's a, he's a modern legend of the game. He's done a lot. Yeah. And you've got to give him his respect. But just to touch on the Burnett thing, the back win in the fourth. Yep. They should have stopped it then. They let him carry on to the end of the fight, didn't they? Cause, because have you seen it, Andy? It's really weird. He went down, like he went to throw a punch and he just went and just, you could see something happened and so took a knee without being hit. It's a really weird oh, okay. For me, had they thrown the towel in at that point, which I would I would have done because I'm like no no boxer does that. It's a no contest. Keeps his belt. No, it's not because you're throwing the towel in. If the referee chose to stop it, then it's a no contest. Well, you, surely the ref could stop it. The ref could stop it, but he didn't. If they throw the towel in, yeah. it's not a no contest. You've you've given in. Or someone just says to Burnett, mate, hit the floor. Yeah, but then you've lost still. It's down to the referee yeah. to stop it. But but there's something there that says there was within that four round space when it went was a time for someone to have done something. What Some, they, what, I agree. What, what they did was they said, come back to the corner, let's have a chat about what's going on. Like, because I was watching it on mute, so I didn't know what was going on at the time. But I looked at that and I went, and you knew something had gone in the back. I didn't know if it was a hamster. I didn't know what it was, but something had gone. And these are, I feel... Having oh, say it again, as a guy that lives with the reality of a fucked up back, I feel for Ryan Burnett because everything changes from this point on. There is a massive sympathy towards Ryan Burnett out of it, but it can't help but still see an irony out of the whole thing in that he got to pick Donaire. <laughs> he got to pick a man who we all kind of assumed was a little bit washed up. His body's probably gone. Um, he's not fought the the weight in 10 years and yet it's the young Ryan Burnett who ends up with a body that's fucked and having to, to give it in after four rounds essentially why couldn't they get Rigondeau in on this where is Rigondeau I don't know I think the guy that did his tweets is now doing Carlos Takam's tweets yeah, or the British Warriors <laughs> <laughs> but yeah where is he like after that Lomachenko fight he's just I heard he's coming back like he? he signed with Al Heyman oh right to not fight there uh, listen, they're getting um, paid. They're getting paid not to fight. <laughs> Taylor versus Martin. Beautiful. Woo! Beautiful. He's special, isn't he, Josh Taylor? He is. He's he's the best. He's the best boxer we have in this country in terms of ability. Uh, if you had to choose your best youth prospect in the country, would it still be Josh Taylor? Because that's who you. Uh, he's old, is he really old? a youth prospect now? Uh, not, I mean, he's only still had thirteen professional fights. Yeah, he's crazy. He's, he's rookie-ish. But I don't think you can put him in your young prospects anymore. He's he's there now. He's arrived. He just he's. I tweeted it last night. After four rounds, I felt I'd watched one. Like I was enjoying it that much yeah. that you don't realize how far the fight is progressing. And did he take like more than three punches in that entire fight? Because every time Ryan Martin threw something, Taylor just pops back. He did in that last round though, when 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 Taylor just well, Martin came out and actually put some hands on him. But you felt that Taylor was just like. By let's that have, point, let's have some fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, because people do that in a fight where they'll go, "This is so easy for me, and I'm not getting hurt." 
let me just drop down a couple of gears and engage. Yeah. I want to. I want to feel this. I want to feel like I've been in a fight. The, the variation <laughs> Bang. of the shots, those body hooks, <laughs> but the way you'll just tap to one place. So nothing with any power, just to keep you busy. Just tap to the head, tap to the head, whack to the body. Oh man, it's so fun to watch. But and he'll switch the hands as well. So he'll, he'll tap to the head with the left, tap to the head with the left, then bang with the right. And what's he? So what's his um, uh, background? Uh, so Josh was a kickboxer, flipped over about ten years ago, took up boxing, and just flew through. Like, was just winning everything. Ended so culminating in the Commonwealth, didn't he? Yeah. I was thinking he boxed in 2012, didn't do that well. And then 2014 wins the gold in the Commonwealth, then turns over. I just want to give praise to, you know, people go, what does Shane McGuigan do? Every time Groves loses or when Hay goes to, what does Shane McGuigan do? Is he a good trainer? Is he this? Is he that? He's taking Josh Taylor from his first fight. And you're seeing what he's trying to do. And the reason I say you can see it is Chris Billum Smith does a lot of that as well. Yeah. Chantal Cameron does a lot of that as well. Lee McGregor's starting to do a lot of that as well. You're starting to see the mature style that Shane's bringing. And look, as I always say, man, I love seeing Jimmy Tibbs in the corner. I think I tweeted Mark to say, yeah, it's like, it's like boxing Google, isn't it? Like whatever question you have in a corner, you got Jimmy Tibbs next to you, there's an answer. And what I love is at the end of that fight, everyone's just hyped up and energetic. If you see Jimmy Tibbs, duty first just wiped down Josh Taylor chilled Josh is looking at him like why are you so calm tries to hug him and you know, Jimmy's like yeah alright mate alright alright all right, I always yeah. love Josh Taylor when he's won a fight which is every fight in his career today you see him <laughs> go up to his opponent who he's just been punching holding for however long he always goes up and gives it that pint you know when you're like sipping on a pretend pint every single fight he does that goes up and fancy a pint mate yeah he's <laughs> like, I'll take you for a pint after like we'll go for a job I don't think he did that with O'Hara I think it was the tongue, well, wasn't it? Maybe, yeah, maybe not yeah, every yeah. single opponent. <laughs> he had the tongue out for that one. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's so good to watch because it, the speed, the power, the the variation, the movement, that foot movement. Ah, oh, man, there's, there's nothing that I don't enjoy about Josh Taylor. There are certain things I enjoy about most fighters. There's nothing I don't enjoy about watching Josh Taylor. He's got that thing that Errol Spence has where it's not spectacular, but he just grinds you down because he's so fundamentally sound. You know, he knows when to cover up and he'll cover up in range and let you get your hands yeah. going so he can come back and counter straight to the body. He, he, he almost tries to make you become complacent. But how many times do you see the warm-up videos? You know when a camera goes into the changing room yeah. before a fight and they're just hitting the pads as hard as they can, like get the sweat going. And actually when they cut to Shane and Josh, they're doing things that you see Josh doing in the fight. Yeah. And they're not doing it with great power. They're not doing it with all that much speed. But they're just getting that rhythm going. Getting that... And you, so you'll see him catch and then return a shot. But you rarely see that in the back in the changing room. It's normally about wallop, wallop, yeah. wallop. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but remember, you're, you're asking coaches to know shit that they don't know. A lot, a, look, how many times have I said it here? A lot of guys are being trained by suckers. A lot of guys are being trained by suckers and they, they bamboozle you with this bollocks around, look at what I've done in the game. Look at all these things that I've done. And fighters aren't normally the sharpest tools in the box. So they buy into all of this. Sometimes they're loyal to their amateur coaches. Sometimes, you know, they fall in love with the stories they hear. But what worries me about this is 
very few guys understand this very simple principle in boxing. Only do the stuff outside the ring that you're going to do in the ring. Everything else is superfluous. That's a Ronald McIntoshism for you. <laughs> yeah? If, if, if you're a body puncher, that's what you should be focusing on. If you're a counter puncher, that's what you should be focusing on. Don't be a body puncher and then you're there hopping in and out throwing long punches. Like, fucking hell, what are you doing that for? And a lot of coaches don't understand this. And that's why you're seeing a lot of talent. Look, look, even at that small hall level, you're seeing a lot of talent stagnate. You're not seeing the development. Why? Because the coach has reached the ceiling. He can get you fit for a four-rounder, but you can't give you that intelligence, that nuts, that decision-making. But how many, how many coaches are there... Uh, in England in total that have got that ability to take a fighter to the next level um, Shane I'll put him in that but, list I mean if you said five is that is if you said ten Shane Caldwell I'll give Caldwell his due uh, may not like him around people's wives but you'll yeah. give him his due uh, more Travis Travis but if you Smedley said, if you said ten to fifteen right yeah. at a push how many fighters are there Hundreds, yeah. So they can't all have a fighter. Who, no, no, sorry, a coach no, 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 no. But they should all try, right? You should, you, you, you should work your way down the ladder until you find a home. You shouldn't just be like, oh, him, he'll do. <laughs> Look, how many videos do you guys see on social media of guys being trained, and you're like, that just looks like horse shit. That just looks like horse shit. And then you'll see the guy fight. And I'm like, you're in a four rounder. You're you're not getting knockouts, but they're matching you to get knockouts. And then you're like, I can't help you. You're, like, you're going nowhere. Can um, we touch on the broadcast element quickly as well? So yeah, it, was, yeah. um, it was chucked yeah. out on YouTube on IFL. Oh, okay. Fair play to IFL. That's incredible. Uh, if you think uh, uh, friends again, are you? Nah. Nah, <laughs> like, I'm not, not friends with Coogan. I'm not friends with Coogan. I respect what they do. I think they do an incredible job. In Mate, he, of... he set you up to become Transformer Theobald. Nah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm notorious for it now. Every fucking tweet I put out, I get something about Transformer. <laughs> but... If you look still back been what ducked they... though just by the way sorry to cut you off again still been ducked though after that still being ducked Eddie you know where we are um, you know they started off with like filming various stuff so they were at film premieres they were at various bits all it is essentially is a few blokes with cameras and a YouTube channel that is the grassroots of what IFL is and they've somehow got the broadcast rights to probably the biggest boxing card in the UK Last night. That's a bit more subtle than that. They, they, they are the beneficiaries of timing over anybody else. Okay, maybe because, they are. Because if you remember, it wasn't just them filming stuff. At that time, there were a few other people dabbling and going, this video thing's a way forward. No one really paid attention to IFL because you had at that time you had seconds out. They were doing stuff as well in the UK. What Coogan was good enough to do was pal up with Eddie Hearn before Eddie was who he is now. Like so, he, credit, yes. that's the credit I give him. Is going, I'm going to gamble on this Hearn guy. We're going to get this Hearn in on these videos, and this is kind. Of, this is before they got the exclusive deal with Sky, so he was still kind of having yeah. to battle Frank in that. And so he rode that wave, and then he became the orthodoxy of boxing broadcasting. If I had to take a guess, there must be dozens of times that Coogan, probably in those earlier days when the money wasn't coming in, must have thought, "Is this the way forward? Like, is this a job? Is this the future?" And so I just think like fair play to them for being able to make a career out of that and somehow end up with the biggest card, one of the biggest cards in the UK, yeah. end up on their 
huge fucking YouTube channel last night. That's incredible. Like, well done for that. Coogan Cassius Ramanathan. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm impressed by that. But I didn't really enjoy the YouTube side of it. And I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it's my internet connection. It's very jolty watching it on a big screen uh, at home on the TV. And I say it may well be my internet because it's not the greatest thing in the world at times. I would speculate they... Because if you look at their videos, if you've ever tried to download an IFL video, it's always at 360p. So yeah, I wasn't sure whether the frame per second ratio wasn't high enough. Or, as I say, maybe it's my internet. But I never have that problem when I stream a film or when I'm watching yeah. anything else. So, so I think it might be just their, their default But settings. again, it's their first one that they've done on a huge scale. I know they've done the MTK ones, but it's the first one on a huge scale. Um, and so, look, it was free at the end of the day. That card was legitimately free. Like, no Sky, no pay-per-view. Good value. Which we're always hoping for. Yeah, so, look, if the worst case scenario is the frames per second wasn't quite as high as I'd have hoped... Man, I'll live with that because it was free and brilliant. No, shouts out to IFL, man. And also shouts out to young Uma, who I know people give a hard time to. He's inching himself along now. You're seeing, you're seeing the... I mean, he's still got that hunger. He's still pushing on. Good you on know, him. You know, am I, do we, are we going to sit down and do a Josh Taylor Pine thing? Probably not. But from a distance, I can watch the kid and go, I wonder where you'll be in 10 years. You know, and we'll look back on these moments and go, oh, that's where it started. <laughs> All right, okay, let's talk about some previews for next weekend because we don't have much time left. What the hell's next weekend? What's happening? Bell you who's sick. I want Bell you to win. Uh, I wouldn't have thought I would hear myself say that, but I might be of that opinion too. I'm... I wanted to see Bell you get absolutely spanked, but. Yeah, but this. <laughs> PDs versus no PDs. I reckon this could be a fire. Wow, wow, wow. Like, Bell you's. I mean, I don't know. But so I'm which just... one's on PEDs, Andy? <laughs> well, I mean, Andy? I think that's obvious, is it not? <laughs> Andy? <laughs> Go on. Name names. Like, for me, Bellew's on PEDs, clearly Andy? a clean boxer. Who is? Bellew. Okay. All right. Right. I mean, that's slanderous towards I... the other half of the fight. I, 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 I don't know one way or the other. I'm just saying this is, this, this is, this is all on you. I've never heard any accusations again. No, I, I wouldn't accuse anyone of taking drugs. <laughs> yes, you would. This no, is no, completely no, out of left field. No, the Seven I Wolves just... would. I wouldn't. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm just sorry. I'm just repeating what the Seven Wolves told me. Yeah, the guy just whatever happened to that guy? Um, it's it's a case of I want to win the lottery this weekend. I won't. <laughs> right. Okay. So you. <laughs> Yeah, well, what do you, what do do want, you want to win? Nah, not really. I do. I really do. Because I'm not, I'm not sold on Usyk yet. I'm really not. He's only cleaned up the whole division. <laughs> nah, but... With his Olympic nah. gold. Nah, but he didn't, <laughs> he didn't fight Dortikos. He didn't fight Dortikos. He didn't fight my mum. So he yeah. has Dortikos had his yard yet. <laughs> Hey, 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 hey. He don't hey, want that smoke. Hey, hey, hey. There's, there's, there's boxes. There, the there, there's, there's boxes, there's Ukrainians, and there's gods in this sport. <laughs> there are gods in this sport. I don't know. I, th what I genuinely <laughs> think will happen is a towel will come in maybe around the 10th round. Really? Yeah. I do. I, I don't... If, if you're asking me to price this up, Bellew is probably 8 to 1. Ten to one. Maybe. I will. I'll put money on Bellew to win. I just, I just. There's something about Bellew now, and 
After beating a decrepit Hay twice. Yeah, Not sure. so much that. Like, if you look at Bellew, he's been in enough of these kind of high-profile events. I'm not going to say this is a big event because I don't think it's sold out. But he's been in enough of these events that it's not going to bother him the way it's going to bother Usyk. That ne- from from Monday on the World Boxing Service. From Monday onwards, Usyk's going to find out that you know what I mean Hearn Hearn runs a demanding ship of his fighters. So let's let's see what happens when he goes through that and how much mental energy is left. Okay, turn him around. Who do you think wins? Bell you. I'm, I, I'm, do you know what? And, and I know... Did you say put money No, 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 no. I, I've said that. Fully expecting to come in next week and be told, Terry, you're wrong. I'm okay with that. Is this in a Spencer Fearon way? You know how Spencer Fearon always goes against the grain? So that if that one in 50 comes off, you will never fucking hear the end no, of it. No, so, so, sure. so here's the thing. So, so everyone knows Winnie. I was talking to Winnie about this when I was explaining why I think Bell you will win. Bellew's cultivated this image that he's quite a crude boxer. He's a caveman. Until you watch his amateur fights. Bellew's a good technician when the pressure's on. When he needs to slip, when he needs to bob and weave and move, he can really do that. Like this myth of him just being a banger, not true. You don't get to the finals he did as an amateur. You don't wipe people out. Almost as if Tony Bellew talks shit sometimes. No, I would have thought that. (laughs) Andy, who do you think wins? I know you want Bellew. Uh, Usyk. Usyk seems to me like he's going to absolutely pulverise Bellew. The only thing that makes me think otherwise is the fact that Bellew seems to... Well, and this is only what I've seen of him in the hay fight, so that's why I can't really take it seriously, but he seems to be able to take quite a lot of punishment. But is that not... uh, He's also been... Hay didn't give him a lot of punishment. No. No. No, well, I, it'll be enjoyable, whatever happens, I think. I'll be able to find enjoyment in something. Bellew has... Why is your phone talking to us? I have no idea. That's so kind of you. I'll do... I said... It, it's come up as though I said, enjoy whatever. Oh, it, I've always wanted to, to do that. this, by the way. What? Alexa, play gay porn. <laughs> do you want me to... I'll do, I'll, no, I'll... I want to see if that's ruined. Anyone who's listening to this still... <laughs> Has it ruined their like? Has Alexa just kicked in and started started playing a bit of man on man? Who will win out of Tony Bellew and Usyk? Is this what it's come I found to? these results. Oh, that was a disappointment. Is this what it's come to? We're asking our phones who's going to win. <laughs> they're, they're they're better insight than most of the people on Twitter. Who is the seven wolves? Here it is. Seven Wolves. Oh, it's a men's clothing shop. <laughs> Maybe that's what... No. Now you've released the name. That's where the inspiration came yeah. from. So, yeah. I, Tony Bellew has grown on me as a man over time. I never... I've always gone back to it. It's that Roberta Bellonti fight on the undercard of Cole Frott, Yusuf Mack. Dog pound. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um that fight was so fucking dreadful. And that's going back to the light heavyweight days where he strained, he struggled to make the weight, etc., etc. But that fight was so bad, man. So bad. And uh, ever since then, I've had an issue with Tony Bellew because he wasted 36 minutes of my life, which I'm never going to get back. But over time, he's grown back upon me as a person. I just I don't see a way that he wins this fight. See, I don't really like him. And I don't really like him because of the way that he 
hyped up and revved up the whole Hay thing. And I think to myself, were you trying to kid me that Hay was a really good fighter? And he's like, everyone thought I was going to lose, but I came through. Right. Everyone thought that Hay was going to be good and he wasn't. That's key to why we thought he was going to win. And also they made it so personal. Ah, oh, hatred, hatred. And then like a month after, they stood ringside taking photos. Yeah, giving each other hand jobs. And, like, and, and, and Bellew's kids, they were, I'm like, what? But, but hey, he's moving. I mean, like, I mean, boxing's comedian. And look what he's doing with Derek now, you know? Uh, well, what do we think about Chisora White, by the way? Uh happening what I, from what i've heard from one side of this divide is derek's doing stuff that he hasn't done before so always a positive sign <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stuff too uh, <laughs> uh, just a lot more cardio is it yeah he's eating right living Fitter. right is he learning stronger. microsoft excel oh he's he's training very hard <laughs> Fitter, stronger, faster at yeah, no, 34 no. years old. No, he's, tra- he's training very hard, man. There's a lot of things he wasn't doing right before that he's doing right now. Avocado? Why have know. I never discovered this before? No, that's true, man. He's, he's spending time living in the park plaza as well, training. Um, I thought it was an interesting arrangement. I think just from you know the what's being said, it's good. We we will see Derek maximize his potential. I'm not going to say it's the best Jasora ever because he's obviously the wrong side of 30. But he will go in there fully intending to win. Uh, look, we all know what I've thought about. I think Dillian's one of the most improved boxers out there. Uh, you know, Mark Tibbs is doing a good job with him. Having him up in Loughborough has been a game changer for him, for Richie Riakpour, even Craig Richards. You know, like just just the feedback. Spoke to Richie last week, actually, about it. And like, he was just like, look, when you go up to Loughborough, it's serious because you're around serious athletes. So you don't want to look stupid. So I think, yeah, Mark's just helped bring out the best in all these guys. So it's December 22nd, whew, you know, everyone's strapped themselves in. As a pay-per-view card, though, I mean, they're going to have to seriously work on that, isn't they? It's... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. But I mean, I understand Hearn's, like, um, argument that Frampton Warrington doesn't really impact what they're doing. I kind of get that, really, like, as much as... It's a sad indictment of where we are with... Oh, it, it does, because those tickets have been shifted already, right? Yeah, but there's a different... <laughs> there's not exactly the Venn diagram, the, the, the crossover, is there, with who's going to buy tickets to Frampton Warrington, with who's going to buy tickets for White versus Chisora. Like, there's an awful lot of people that will... You know, chuck a table, you'll sell another 500 tickets. Um <laughs> I don't know. I can see. I, I just think. I just. I just think it's bad form. I, I genuinely think. But although didn't Hearn say that he's more than willing to to work out what times the main events should start and so forth. Yeah, apparently. But hopefully, we look because we, what what we don't want is two fights that we legitimately want to see. And let's not doubt that we, we want to see both. I just don't want to have to choose in real time between one or the other. Uh, are we? What if Chisora wins? Are we seeing a third fight? Um, will, only, will only after the whole Joshua things worked it, worked itself out, then it'll just be a cash out for both, or like a mark time till something more interesting comes. So, Chisora, so this is this is a legit eliminator for the next Joshua fight. Or? Yeah. Um, it's or not it, been that, it's not been said, but right. yeah. you'd Who be the surprised fuck wants to see Chisora. That is a hard sell. That that'd be an easy, that'd, that'd be an easy sell. Once Derek eighty thousand at Wembley. No. Once, De- once Derek starts talking, 
once the conversation starts going, the the story will just unfold. He'd have think to absolutely talk- dismantle White for me to be interested in him. If he'd have to be, he'd have right, to come out a totally different Chisora. I'd be like, fuck me, where's it, this guy it, been? No. Always has he been eating humble pie or something? No, because no. he is amazing or something like. Like that, that's the only way that I'd be interested in. Let me be real about this one. <laughs> Derek's already wiped out to Cam. So he has a moral argument for going, you didn't do that, Joshua. He already has a moral case. Like, like when they go head to head, it's like, <clears throat> you know, I would have done that to Parker too. He right. can say this sort of stuff. And I was like, why couldn't you stop to Cam? You needed the ref to put him in a sleeper hold. So there's all this stuff. And then if he beats Dillian, it's like, well, what have you done that I can't do? And then we and could... Then, then, no, no. Then you'll get the, you're my little brother. I raised you. That's what will happen. I raised Imagine you. if Chisora won, though, and then he was a three... Um, belt champion. Three belt champion. Four belt. Oh, right. IBO. It's a fucking useless belt, but yeah. No, it's all right. Listen, I had it on yesterday, man. Shouts out to Big Joe. Like, British Warriors, you know who Big Joe is. That Big Joe's coming soon, man. Big Joe. I have no idea. He's coming. Joe. He's coming soon, apparently. No, I, I love That's Big Joe. That's how good Joe. we are. So, yeah, at the end of it all, I kind of want Derek to win. I kind of want him to upset the Apple car. Yeah. And then see... And then watch Hearn go, well, all we know is that because Chisora won, that everyone wants to see white Joshua next. You're like, what? (laughs) But don't forget about this. Derek Chisora is not going to be signed to Matchroom after this fight, unless they've like signed some form of promotional agreement with them. But as it stands, and from what I understand, he's not signed to them. So if he went and knocked out Dillian White, imagine him then going like NWO style, like Hulk Hogan, just turned up at Frank Warren's office and like puts pen to paper. That'd be amazing. Get him in there for Fury again, the third one. Um, Last, before we go, because we are really struggling with time here, Mm. uh, Boxing Fan, uh, UK Boxing Fan 6 asks, thoughts on Fury changing camp from Big Bear to Wildcard Gym? Is this the first sign that the fight is not happening or is it as simple as it's just easier to train there? Um, Right. Big Bear is, what, 7,000 feet above sea level? Fury is a six foot nine, eighteen and a half, maybe 19 stone man. You think how much oxygen is needed for Tyson Fury to function at sea level. You then put him up at altitude for, a, for what's essentially a short intensive camp because he's not going to be there for a whole year. I think he's just struggling physically. And that doesn't mean that he's not fit. What it means is the oxygen demanded by his body is not being fulfilled by him breathing in air at 7,000 feet. So, so where's wildcard, Jim, then? Uh, it's at sea level. Oh, no, it's not. Is it Santa Monica? Or is it just Hollywood? It, it's, it's, it used to be owned by Mickey Rourke when he went through his boxing phase. Then he just handed it over to Freddie Roach and said, look, you have this. Um, but but I think, I think, look, so I think I'm trying not, not, not be overly scientific with this. Tyson Fury has to get a certain amount of work done in this camp, right? There'll be metrics that he's being measured against, how many rounds he spars, how many miles he runs, how much weight he's lifting. There'll be certain volume metrics you want to look at to make sure that Fury's done all the work he needs to. If he can't do that at 7,000 feet, fuck it. Take him down to sea level so he can do the work. Uh, he's, he's fighting at sea level. Yeah, and when we talk about because uh, the altitude training and stuff like that, where, as we're, when, when has this happened? 
this change of gym. It is this week. Recent. Yeah. So would, will he still carry those benefits in a month's time for the fight or not? Some perhaps, but I think psychologically it will be beneficial for him because it's probably, it's like being a Helen back. So I I grew up in, some people know I grew up in Zimbabwe, that's what, 4,800 feet above sea level. So when you go back from from living in London, landing there and being super keen and going, I'm going to go for a run. With you, clean air and 4,800 feet. Yeah, you're above. just like, <laughs> yeah, sucking, sucking on exhaust pipes to try and get you fit. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, fuck this for a game of cards. This is not fun. So I can imagine how, how tough it's been, but it's more important he gets the work done than he gets it done at altitude. That's not going to give him anything he really needs. But it's not a surprise because big men don't tend to do well at Big Bear. You know, Ali was 6'3 and about 15 stone, and even he struggled up at those sorts of levels. So it's it's sensible, but now I'm beginning to look back and go, how much damage did that do to him being at altitude? Was that was that triggering his body's stress responses? Are his stress markers up? If so, what's the inflammation like? You know, all those sorts of things you're looking at with Tyson. You just want to get him back to normal and just get him doing the volume he needs to do ahead of the fight. I just want him to beat Wilder. That's what I want. I don't know. Do we really? I, you know, my highlight of the build-up so far is Wilder trying to say Dosser. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was a boxing social video. And he was like, yeah, mate. I want to knock you out, you Dosse. And I was like, Dosse? Isn't that like an Indian like rap? <laughs> I think you fear for Tyson either way, didn't you? He said on that Joe Rogan podcast, you know, if I win, yeah, there's a fair chance I'm going to hit depression because I've climbed the mountain again. And what do I do after that? And then if he loses, is there a fair chance he hits depression after that? What did he say? Because, yeah, I'm not any good. Because he did a great interview with Brendan Schaub, who ex-mixed martial arts guy, friends of Joe Rogan. Probably a better interview than the Rogan one. I felt with the Rogan one, and it's been confirmed from other sources, the Rogan one was a box-ticking exercise. Here are the marks you have to hit. Make sure you hit these. Whereas with Brendan Schaub, it was a bit more interesting, and he got to shed light on the on the confrontation with Joshua, which I enjoyed. Cool. Yeah. Always enjoy that. Conscious of time for Andy. Okay, um, <clears throat> that's it. Where our podcasts should be, and I believe I'm right in saying a bit more consistent over the next few weeks, right yeah. after Christmas. Oh, I've got to say, some a couple, a few people sent over questions where it was like directed to certain people. I don't bother submitting them because I think, fuck it, but there's all three of us here. Like, don't pick who you want to answer it. We'll all answer it. <laughs> and, all, and also, man, like, I remember the Seven Wolves was gone, so <laughs> so it's like a whole new cast. It's a whole new team <laughs> dynamic. But yeah, no, I'm serious. Like, Don't pick who you want to answer something. Like, We'll all have a go. So <laughs> I've had a few of them. I just don't bother submitting now. So. Cole. Well, there you go. Cole. There you go. I'm just giving yeah. like an honest appraisal of it like because you can keep submitting them but they ain't going to get answered. <laughs> Ah, also, also, just a quick one to say to people. I love it. Matchroom, Matchroom show last week. Massive, massive respect to Barry Hearn. I've never seen, like, as a promoter, sat down in his seat for, basically from, from the beginning of the card till the end, right? Didn't take his eyes off the ring. Anthony Fowler comes had to he talk had a stroke to or something? Fuck <laughs> about. <laughs> nah, sorry, I, I'm team Barry Hearn, man. I might be seeing him on Tuesday, so, you know, got to be careful. <laughs> But but essentially, look, 
Here's, here's I the thing. will never forgive him for the bullshit that he's spouting on that fucking Sports Week program. And he's his no, fucking no, mouth no, on no, his no, towel. But, but, Take his fucking mouth for a poo. Because no. he was talking bollocks. <laughs> Lee Warren turned up and called him out. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, and no. then he runs off and goes, I'm not doing this program again. Fuck no, off. But, but, no, but look, look. <laughs> No. Fucking knobheads, no, look, you see, from, from what I saw, no, from, from what I saw, he, he even sat through the fights I couldn't be asked to watch. And he was just watching him intently and wouldn't let anyone, not Lawrence, not Fowler, no one could break his gaze. And I thought, do you know what? There's a guy who's still in love with the sport. As messed up as we think Matchroom behaves sometimes, there's a guy still in love with the sport. And I've got to respect He's that. probably just looking at it going, fucking hell. Look how shit this is. Well, okay, but this look, is actually no, no, making me no, money. No, but look how shit that DAZN card is with Brandon Rios and fucking... <laughs> who is it? That's Sergio Mora. <laughs> Their cards are absolute AIDS. Do, do you know They're what, awful. They do, are do, worth do, a billion pounds. Do you know what, no, no, no. But do you know what it's like? You know, when, you know when you do a fantasy football team and you go Kane... Aguero <laughs> and Lukaku and, and, then, you, and you end up with a defence of like fucking Charlie Daniels some guy from Huddersfield Paul Daniels Gary, uh, and Lewis Gary Dunk. Pallister yeah and you end up with just a horse shit defence and a keeper that will never play a game <laughs> and that's so true that's the match that's the disown cards <laughs> it's so true right we need to go right thank you for out. listening and we'll see you next week yeah.